0: Men, I invite you, you guys, guys, can you turn me down just a little bit? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I invite you guys to join with me in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I don't want to blow your eardrums out or anything. 1 uh, John chapter 2. This one. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you guys ever question the uh, the power of prayer, I did pray for rain this morning, and here we go. So, uh, so remember, uh, prayer works. God answers our prayers. It's not really what I was expecting or had in mind, but, uh, you know, it was pretty soon, so I'll take it. Uh, First John chapter two is where we're going to be this morning. Continuing on our series in First John as we're 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 looking at and answering this question, whose side are you on? That's what the right That's what John is is uh, asking us in First John. What he's asking his readers. Because remember, in, in First John, the reason that John is writing is because he's writing to a church or a group of churches that have experi- experienced this recent split that a a large group left the church and this group left the church because they weren't teaching things that were true about Jesus, and they, they fractured on those grounds, and John is writing to the people who remained, and he's asking them, he's pointing the, painting the picture of these two groups of people, those who claim to be Christians but aren't, and those who claim to be Christians and are, and he's painting these two pictures, and he's asking, whose side are you on? Which, which group do you belong to? And that's what he's asking us throughout the book of 1 John, and we'll continue on our series this morning, 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. 1 John chapter 2. Beginning in verse 18 says this. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be complained that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let uh, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made us, eternal life. I write these things to you that those who are trying about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need of anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. Let me pray for us, and we'll get into the text this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Your Word, that it shapes us and molds us and this morning father we pray that the name of jesus would be lifted up god that you would stir our hearts and our affections for christ god that you will you will uh, cause us to to see jesus as he is this morning god and i we pray that you would you would cause us to, bel- to, to agree with you and believe that, that, Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is who he says he is, that he is the Savior, that he is the Lord. God, we pray this morning that Christ would be lifted up and that we would praise him and glorify and honor him, God. And we pray this morning that because of our time in the word, you would shape us and mold us further into the image of Jesus, that we would look more like him because of our time in the word. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us this morning and hearts that are ready to apply it. It's in the wonderful, holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. If I were to ask you what is the most important thing about you, what would you say, right? If I asked what, what is the most important thing about you, all of us have some things in our lives. Maybe it's the job that you do. Maybe it's some status that you've achieved. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your money. Maybe it's, you know, your, your intellect. Whatever it is, all of us have something in our lives that we say this is the most important thing about us. My, my freshman year in college, my very first semester, one of the first classes I took was business math. Uh, and so, you know, it's not like groundbreaking stuff, but I was in business math, and I, I entered this class. I didn't know anybody, like, like most of the other freshmen in the room. I didn't know anybody else in the room, so I sat down, and I sat next to this guy named Bo. And uh, Bo and I uh, sat through this whole first class, and it was terrible. I mean, it was taught by a uh, uh, a, a PhD student and did not go very well, uh, and so we were we were sat through that whole class together, and we left, and neither of us knew anybody. And so, like like most college freshmen, we're sitting next to someone we don't know. We're thinking, hey, this guy could be my best friend. You never know. And so we we both decide to leave the class, and we we just start talking. We start uh, chatting and having a conversation, and uh, and we start talking about the class and the semester and our our schedule. and And so let me paint this picture for you. Bo and I are walking, and we're probably about three hundred yards. From the, the school. We, we haven't made it very far. And in this five to 10 minutes that we've been talking, I've learned that Bo is from a really small town, uh, re- graduated with a class of 60 people. And I've also picked up on the fact that his social skills are not magnificent. Yeah, and that's, that's what I picked up so far in this five to 10 minute conversation with Bo. Out of nowhere, walking with Bo, Bo says, Guess what my class rank was? And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I unprompted. Not talking about high school. Guess what my class rank was. This was the most important thing to Bo. <laughs> like, th- to Bo, this mattered a lot. And I said, I don't know. Probably not 60th out of 60 if you're bringing it up. Right? Like, I don't, I don't know. What was your class rank? And he goes, I was salutatorian. He, like, had this huge grin on his face that, uh, and almost like a little condescending grin of, like, I don't know what you were, but it probably wasn't salutatorian, you know? it was like, it was. But anyways, um. <laughs> but he had this like look on his face that was like, I, n- I know you're impressed. <laughs> like this is great. I was a litigatorian in high school. Bo and I went our separate ways and didn't become friends. I don't know. Like it didn't work out. But, uh, but that was the most important thing to Bo, right? That was that was the most important thing in his life. He was at that point. His class rank, that's what mattered. That was the thing that he, he brought up in conversations. That was the thing that would win him friends. That was the thing that would, would uh, get the ladies to like him, right? Like that. That was the most important thing to Bo that he was salutatorian in high school. All of us have something, some. So or so a couple things in our lives that we say, this is the most important thing. This is, this is what tends to come up in conversations when I describe myself. This is how other people describe me. This is the story that I tell. These are the stories that other people tell about me. Like what is the most important thing about you? And, and all of us have something in our mind. But here's the truth that I want us to see this morning from 1 John chapter 2. What you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Regardless of what you think the most important thing about you is, whether it's, it's your job or your, your, your uh, intellect or your, your uh, money or whatever it is, whatever it is that you think is the most important thing about you, Scripture is clear. The most important thing about you is what you think about Jesus. Whether you have the right view of Jesus or the wrong view of Jesus, that's what matters more than anything else. And John's going to paint that picture for us this morning in two different ways in this text. So the first thing that John is going to do this morning, he, he kind of paints two sides of one coin for us in the text this morning. The first thing that we're going to see this morning in 1 John chapter 2 is that denying Jesus is a serious offense. As we're talking about what the, the fact that what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Believing incorrectly, uh, incorrectly about Jesus is a big deal. Denying Jesus is a serious offense. Look with me in 1 John chapter 2 beginning in verse 18. Children, it is, again, I I love (laughs) John in this entire book. It repeatedly refers to the readers as children. uh, That is, every time I read it, I'm like, that's a little condescending, but it's not meant to be. It's endearing. It's like my, my friends, my family. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So John brings up the Antichrist here in First John chapter 2. He says it's the last hour, meaning it's the, it's the we're in the end times. Like, like Jesus is coming back at some point. We know at some point in the future, at some point relatively soon, uh, depending on, I mean, in the, in the grand scope of history, uh, we, we know we're in the last hour. Th- th- there's nothing else to happen between us and Jesus coming back. That's the next big event on, the <laughs> on, the, uh, on God's calendar. And so John is saying, hey, it's the last hour. And we know that it's the last hour because you know that when, when the last hour comes, when, when the end times come, the Antichrist comes. A- a- and we can go on and on about what your view of the Antichrist is, right? So when we, th- when we hear Antichrist, we tend to go immediately to to Revelation. This idea of the the man of lawlessness. This idea of the the dragon and the, uh, his beast. Like we go we all this end times theology. Maybe when you think of the Antichrist, you think of Damien from The Omen, or you think of. Uh, 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 what is the rosemary's baby or or any like th- you think of this like this thing that is pure evil like wanting to to kill people and destroy the world right like this is your idea of the antichrist this is what those are the images that come up when john's like hey the antichrist is coming we're like oh <laughs> oh the antichrist this pure evil being that wants to kill people and destroy the world but john goes on and he says we know it's the last hour because the antichrist is coming and in fact many antichrists are already here What he's talking about in verse 18, he makes clear in verse 19, are the people who left the church. These people who split off from the original group. That's why he says in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So this group that split off from the church, that was believing things that are incorrect about Jesus, this group that split off, John refers to them as antichrists. And John says, the last hour is coming, and we know that the Antichrist comes, and in fact, many Antichrists are already here. We, we, we're going to get off track if we get into this text and we start talking about the Antichrist and what your end times views are and, and, uh, and you know, all, all, tho- all those kind of things. That's not John's point. What he's talking about here are the group that left the church, and he says they went out from us because they were not of us. They were never originally part of us. They were never originally joined with us. And here's why they were never originally joined with us. Verse 22. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. So, this group that split off, we don't know a lot about them, but we do know this that they denied that Jesus is the Christ. They denied a a, a a very important fact about Jesus, and they denied this about Christ. And so they split off from the church, and they went their separate ways. And John says they left us, but they weren't ever really a part of us. And we know they were never really a part of us because they never believed the truth about Jesus. They denied that Jesus was the Christ. And so they left. In fact, John says it's a good thing that they left because they left to make it very clear to everybody that they weren't a they weren't originally of us. They were never a part of our body. They were never part of this family because they didn't believe the truth about Jesus. Here's what's, inc- here's what's crazy. When we think of the Antichrist, we think of this being who's, who's evil and wants to destroy the world. And, th- and that's we, we, we think of the number 666, right? And, and we're scared of the number and we don't want to put it on things. Which, side note, could be an editor's translation, and, uh, a mistranslation. It could be six one six. Or six six six. We're really not sure. Anyways, so that's a, you got a whole other set of numbers you got to worry about. Um, but we 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 we're, we think of these things for the antichrist as as being this uh, th- th- this scary evil wicked horrible thing. A- and so when John throws in the antichrist and we see this horrible being and terrible evil thing that wants to destroy the world, John is saying that the worst thing about that being. The worst thing about the Antichrist, and the worst thing about these Antichrists, the people who left the church, is not that they're wicked people that want to destroy the world. The worst thing about the Antichrist is that they deny Christ. That's what the term Antichrist means, Antichrist, denying Christ. Worst thing about them is that they deny that Jesus is the Christ. Verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? I want that to sink in for a second. Because when it, 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 for many of us what we believe about Jesus is a nice add-on to the rest of our life. Like it, it is it's something that's important but it's not like the most important thing to us. And so it sounds off to say that the worst thing about that picture, the, the worst antichrist that you can imagine, like whatever your end times view is, whatever the antichrist is, picture how awful that is, or picture the people that have left the church, and have, have, have harmed the body of believers here and, and that John is writing to, how bad they are, how awful they are. Like Picture all of that wickedness, all of that evil, all of that devastation and sadness. Picture all of the, the wickedness of the Antichrist. And what John is saying is the real problem with the Antichrist is not that he's a bad guy or that he's doing these bad things. The real problem with the Antichrist is that he denies Jesus. And he wants other people to do the same. That's the biggest issue here. What you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. What you believe about Jesus is the greatest or gravest uh, either blessing or mistake that you can make. And the problem is that denying Jesus is a serious offense. Notice what he says in verse 23. No one who denies the son has the father. New co- whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So he talks about these people who have denied Jesus, who have refused to believe that Jesus is the Christ, and he says they do not have the Father. They are liars. What they believe about Jesus, is a, uh, denying Jesus, is a serious offense. Here's why it's a serious offense. Again, we think about what you believe about Jesus being this simple thing. Like, it's, it's something you add on to your life. It's a nice thing. When you believe rightly about Jesus, you get to go to heaven. If you be believe poorly about Jesus, your, your eternity changes, and you don't get to go to heaven. You get to go to hell, uh, or you have to go to hell. And, and that's kind of this add-on thing that you, you add to your life. When we view religion, it's this add-on thing. But we don't see it for what it is, that what we believe about Jesus is of the utmost importance. It's the most important thing. And here's why. We talked about this. Uh, On Wednesday night with the students in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized in Matthew chapter 3. And when he comes up out of the water, the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And God speaks from heaven and he says, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Later on in the book of Matthew, and Jesus Throughout his uh, throughout his ministry, he's making these claims that he's the he is the son of God. He's the son of man. He says uh, to the Pharisees, he says, "When A- before Abraham was, who lived uh, o- o- almost you know fifteen hundred years before Jesus, before Abraham was, I am," is what Jesus is saying. And so he is clearly proclaiming to be divine. He is clearly claiming to be the Son of God. Jesus is claiming these things throughout his ministry. On the uh, there's a later event near the end of Jesus's ministry where Jesus goes up on the top of a mountain with three of his disciples, and and uh, and he's glorified, and Moses and Elijah join him, and they're all hanging out, and and Jesus's face is shining, and his clothes are whiter than anyone could ever whiten them, and the, 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 he. He is, he is glorious before the disciples. And uh, again, the voice from heaven, God speaks from heaven and says, this is my son, my love, listen to him. And then again, Jesus is proclaiming throughout his ministry, he is the son of God. He's going to give up his life and lay it down before, uh, as a sacrifice for God. And then three days later, God is going to raise him up from the grave. He is proclaiming this throughout his ministry, that he is going to lay down his life, and three days later, God is going to raise him up from the dead. And then what happens? Jesus dies on the cross, and three days later, he rises again from the grave. And that is evidence to all of us, to the entire world, that what Jesus said about himself is true. Like, God is proclaiming to all of us, Jesus is My son, he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, he is the Savior, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Everything he said about himself is true, and God the Father is affirming it in the resurrection of Jesus. So God is saying that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord of lords, that Jesus is the Son of God, fully God and fully man. God the Father says that that's so. And when we deny that Jesus is the Christ, if we say, well, "I just believe Jesus was a good teacher," or "I don't even know if he existed in the first place," or "He was—he's a prophet, he's a good religious leader, he's a good example for us," or "Yeah, he's my savior," but I don't know about him, him being God. When we deny the truth about Jesus, what John says is we're a liar. What's worse, John has said elsewhere in the Book of First John, we're actually saying that God is a liar. Because we're saying that what he said about Jesus isn't true. And so we're going before the creator of the universe and saying, God, I know what you said about Jesus. I know what Jesus claimed. I just don't buy it. I don't believe it. And I, I refuse to believe it. Denying Jesus is a serious offense. Because what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. The flip side to this is that uh, confessing Jesus is a serious blessing, right? Denying Jesus is a serious offense, but confessing Jesus is a serious blessing because what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. He says this, uh, let's continue on in verse 20. John is writing, and he's not, he's not writing to the group that left. He's writing to the group that stays, and he says in verse 20, you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge that that idea of having knowledge is uh, probably a throwback to Jeremiah chapter 41 where where uh, Jeremiah says that uh, in the I- when the new covenant comes, all of the people, all of the people under the new covenant will know God. They're not going to have to tell their neighbors, hey, you should, you should know God because they're going to know God. Like within the body of Christ, those who have proclaimed the name of Jesus, those who believe in him, we are people who have a knowledge of God. We are people who have a relationship with. With God. And so John is talking to these believers, saying, You've been anointed by the Holy One. You have knowledge. I write to you, verse 21, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. And he continues, Who is the liar but he who, who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he would made to us, eternal life. So what John tells his readers, he says, I know you already know the truth. You know the truth about Jesus. You know what Jesus has proclaimed himself to be and what God the Father has affirmed. That Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Christ is not his last name. I don't know if that was <laughs> his news to any of you. Christ is a Greek word that means Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, the one who came to save us from our sins. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is God and man, fully God and fully man, who died on a cross for our sins and rose again from the grave for our salvation. He says, you know the truth. You have heard the gospel. You believed the gospel. You know the truth. And he says, kind of blanketly to the room, if you You've heard this from the beginning. The gospel was proclaimed to you. You know the truth about Jesus if you believe it, if it abides in you, if you will proclaim and confess this truth about Jesus. Then not only is that just a good thing, that's this nice little add-on to your life, that you've got your your religious section figured out, Not not only will you have all of that, you will have a relationship with the Father, the God who created all things. You will know him and be known by him. You will not only abide in Jesus, you will abide in the Father. This is the most important thing about you. That if you have a right understanding of Jesus and you believe in him and you confess him, you will have a right relationship with God. And he goes on and says in verse twenty-four, or f- verse 25, this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life if you will place your faith in Jesus and believe rightly about who he is and agree with God the Father about who the Son is, then you will have eternal life. And the most important thing about you is what you believe about Jesus. There's nothing else on earth with a promise like that. Like, well, if you just work really hard, you'll, you'll achieve the American dream and, and get a, a nice house and a, a full bank account. That's not eternal life. It's good. But it's not eternal life. There's nothing else on earth. Nothing that can provide that promise to you. What you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you because nothing else has the ramifications like what you believe about Jesus. Denying him is a serious offense. But confessing him is a serious blessing. You'll have eternal life. So he continues on in verse 26. I write these things to you About those who are trying to deceive you. Meaning these people who have left the church are still trying to teach these people the false things about Jesus. That he's not the Christ. They're trying to get them to deny Jesus. And he says in verse 27. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie. Just as it has taught you, abide in him. So this idea of anointing probably goes back again to that passage in Jeremiah when it, when it talks about the Holy Spirit descending on on people, that, that, that God gives the Holy Spirit to his people. And so he's more than likely in 27, he's saying you have received this anointing. You've already received the Holy Spirit. And so when he says you have no need for anyone to teach you, uh, this is not, people will take this way out of context and say, well, I see, I don't need to go to church or I don't need to to, to study or learn because l- I don't, I have everything I need. Like, the Holy Spirit is here. No one needs to teach me anything. Uh, and I, I have everything I need to be taught. W- his point, again, staying on topic, his point is that you don't need anyone to, to show, share with you the truth about who Jesus is. You already know it. Alright, that's what he's saying to this audience. He's saying, you already know the truth about Christ. You don't need anyone to teach this to you. You've already had the Holy Spirit descend upon you who is encouraging you and reminding you and teaching you and proclaiming to you the truth about the Son. That's what the Holy Spirit does. One of the number one things that the Holy Spirit does on your life is remind you and proclaim to you and uplift and and proclaim Christ. You already know the truth about Jesus. No one has to reteach you the truth. You know the truth about Jesus, and he says in verse 27, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. You have been taught the truth about Jesus. You have proclaimed the truth about Jesus. Let the truth about Jesus reign in your heart, your mind, and your life. Be reminded that the most important thing about you is what you believe about Jesus. There's nothing else like it. And there's nothing else of greater importance. And there's nothing else to, re- to revolve your entire life around other than what you believe about Jesus. I, I think we get off track a lot in our lives as Christians when we add Jesus on as a nice accessory. And we think of Christianity as this silo where we, we go to church on Sundays and maybe do something during the week. And, and we serve in this capacity and we give some money to the church. And, and there's this silo where we've checked all of our religious boxes and we've, we've got that section of our life figured out. And now we're just figuring out all the other sections of our life too. And when, when, when we silo off Jesus as being this additional add-on, this really nice part of our life, we're missing the fact that it is the most important thing about you. And it's what you believe about Jesus should be the thing that guides and determines your entire life. Everything you do, everything you think, everything you say and believe should all be centered around and revolving around the truth of who Jesus is. What would it look like for us to be people who abided in Christ, be people who who revolved our entire lives around the truth of who Jesus is, who fully understood that my belief about Jesus being the Son of God, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords is the most important thing about me. What would it look like for us to have that belief and that idea? When you face a problem in your life, what's your usual go-to to how to solve or figure out the problem? Is it your trying to figure out, just putting your head down and, and working really hard to get through it? Is it, is it putting your head down and, and putting your brain together and trying to, trying to come up with a plan or a solution? Is it, is it falling back on your habits and your routines and your patterns? What is your typical way of solving a problem in life? Because when, if we're people that understand that, that what we believe about Jesus is the most important thing about us, then we can face our problems with life with that understanding, and with that in mind. And all of the solutions can stem and revolve from that idea. So if we approach a problem in life, like, I don't know what my career move is next. We can get overwhelmed and stressed by saying, like, I, uh, you know, all the different s- options, all the different uh, ways that it could go wrong, all the different ways that might go right. and We can get overwhelmed and inundated with all of the choices, or we can stop and we can realize that the most important thing about me is that I know Christ that I have a relationship with him. And because of Christ, I have a relationship with the Father, and I know him, and I have a relationship with him. Like, like we, That's the most important thing about me. So ultimately, it doesn't matter where I end up in my career. God will take care of that. I can trust him. I can rely on him. I can turn to him in this moment and in every moment. And if I end up in this place, I'm going to glorify Christ there. And if I end up in this place, I'm going to glorify Christ there. And if I end up in neither, I'm going to glorify Christ where I am because that's the most important thing about me. What would it look like for us in dealing with our relationships with other people? Realizing that what we believe about Jesus is the most important thing about us. Jesus would come up in conversation a lot more. If we're dealing with someone who's lost, who doesn't know Christ, knowing that Jesus is what they believe about Jesus and what we believe about Jesus is the most important thing about us. Then it's going to come up in conversation a lot more that they are denying that Jesus is the Christ and that that is a serious offense before God. And that that is the worst thing about them, the worst choice they can make, the worst decision of their entire existence is denying that Jesus is the Christ and that we know the truth about Jesus who's so going to come up in conversation a lot more we're going to be much quicker to share the gospel to glorify him and praise him in the things we say when we're thinking about how to engage in conversations not just gospel presentations but just conversations in general about talking about people and and talking about problems and life just engaging in relationships and conversation if we start with the premise that what we believe about jesus is the most important thing about us then our conversations are going to be much more christ-like much more glorifying to him. If they stem from that understanding, we're going to talk about other people negatively a lot less. <laughs> we're going to talk about other people lovingly a lot more because that's the way that Jesus proclaims his, Jesus proclaimed the love of God for us and the fact that he died and rose again for us. So We're going to love people better. And our relationships will be filled with more grace and more life and more love if we start with the premise that what we believe about Jesus is the most important thing about us. As a church and as individuals, that has to be our idea. That has to be our premise. We have to have Christ as the center of everything that we're doing. We have to lift up and magnify Christ. There's this, I love the way that Jonathan Edwards talks about this. He was a pastor in the uh, 1700s. Uh, he, he talks about this, the, our spiritual affections. Being stirred up for the Lord, that there's there's something in our hearts and our soul that that looks at Jesus and loves Him, that cares for Him, that that is excited about Him, and we, I want us uh, to be a body of believers, a church that doesn't just add Jesus onto our lives, that that checks off this religious box and does things because they seem like good biblical things to do, but we would be a people and a church that does things because we are in love with Jesus, and we acknowledge that Jesus is the most important being in the universe, that He is the most important thing to us and that that what we proclaimed about him is the most important thing in our lives. And we can revolve everything around that. Our church would be gloriously glorifying to the Lord and our lives would be glorifying to Jesus. We began and ended with the premise that we want to have a right understanding and belief about Jesus. Know who he is and what he's done for us is the most incredible, amazing, and glorious thing. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you've never believed rightly about Jesus, then hear what John is saying this morning, that that is a serious offense. If you've never trusted in him as Savior and Lord, if you've never trusted him as King, if you've never believed that he is fully God and fully man, if you've never uh, agreed with the Father about who he says the Son is, That is a serious offense. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to to come to an agreement with the Father. To say, God, I I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I've disagreed with you and fallen short of you and denied you. But God, I agree with you this morning. I believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, as King of Kings. I believe. So in just a second, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. And while we sing, I'm going to be standing right here. If, you're, if that's you, you've denied Jesus, you've never trusted in him, and you, you're on the wrong side of uh, agreement with God, then what I would encourage you to do, I'd love for you to come up here. I'll be standing right here. I'd love for you to come up here. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you after the service about what it means to agree with God about Jesus. If you don't want to come up here, that's fine. You can go to the back. We'll have people who love to talk with you more about agreeing with God about who Jesus is or just talking with you more about who Jesus is, what the Bible says about Christ. And if you're here this morning, you've believed in Christ, you've accepted him, you've followed him, like let that be the most important thing about you. If there's anything in your life that is hindering you from wholeheartedly following after the Lord, if your affections and love and excitement are not stirred for Jesus, then take some time this morning before you get up and sing and lift up a prayer before the Lord saying, God, I throw all of these worldly things at your feet. I, I lay them all down. I, I want to get rid of them all because Jesus is the most important thing about me. God, stir up my heart, stir up my affection, stir up my joy and excitement and energy for the Lord and lift that prayer before him and then stand and sing with excitement and energy for Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, and for what you've done. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for us, God. And I thank you for, for the glorious good news of Jesus, that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Savior. He is our ruler. He is God. And God, I pray this morning that, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up, That the name of Jesus would be lifted up in our minds and in our lives, God, that we would agree with you about who Jesus is. And we would boldly proclaim who Jesus is. And we would love people like Jesus, love them, that we would speak with people like Jesus spoke with them, that it would be the most important thing to us. God, that we would have affections for Christ. Father, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you who doesn't have a relationship with you because they've denied who Jesus is. God, I pray that this morning would be the morning that they come to know you. That they would have knowledge of you, that they would have a relationship with you because they have come this morning to agree with, with you about Jesus. So, God, I pray that every single person in this room would leave this building, leave through those doors, agreeing with you about Jesus, having a relationship with you, and, and, and receiving the promise that you have guaranteed to us eternal life. God, we love you and praise you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.